Hello and welcome to Better Discussions with me, Luke Kearhay. This is the podcast where I delve into the minds of students from right across the uni spectrum to hear about their life experiences, their hobbies and interests, and their views and beliefs. If you like what you hear, please follow the podcast on your preferred streaming platform and find me on Instagram at Better Discussions Pod. And don't forget to follow the university's radio and podcast station at Fuse FM. But for now, time to meet this week's guest. I hope you enjoy listening. In every city across the country, there is people who are forced to live on the streets. There are many causes of this, and my guest this week is someone who's committed to eradicating these causes, but also eradicating homelessness altogether. He is part of a student-led homeless charity split between the universities here in Manchester called Save the Streets, who volunteer, fundraise and educate people on homelessness. I'm wanting to speak to him today to find out more about the person behind the activist, what makes him tick and his background, but also have a frank conversation about homelessness itself. Is it something that we can eradicate in our lifetime or is it simply a byproduct of economic growth that is impossible to eliminate? In addition, I'm going to try and find out how the ordinary student can be active in campaigning against homelessness. And like I've done throughout this podcast, ask his advice to someone who is looking to get involved in this kind of activism. So James Doherty, welcome to Better Discussions. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation. We're about to have uh, okay, so firstly, James, I want to start off with getting to know a bit about you, um, you, you know, yourself and your background. So, you know, what was your childhood like? Where do you call home? Uh, home for me is Leeds. Um, it will always be home. I come from, um, I'm near a place called Roundy in Leeds. That's where I'm from. And uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to going home for Christmas as well. I've got, um, I have a mum and dad and two sisters. So I'm looking forward to seeing them because it's been quite a while. And what was your what was your childhood like? What was what were you like as a kid? Um, I had a great childhood. To be fair, uh, I was the middle child, the only boy. So I think perhaps maybe I got a little bit spoiled, or so my sisters like to say. Um, oh, really? <laughs> and I've got like a larger extended family as well, um, and a lot of them live in Leeds as well. So it was it's quite a happy childhood. Oh, your your parents are both in Leeds as well. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, hobbies, interests. What what did you what did you get up to in your free time? Um, well, I am a history student, so I'm a big fan of history. I always have been. Like in high school, I was reading one of my favorite books is Malcolm X's autobiography. I was reading that in like year 10. And oh, wow. just outside, it wasn't part of the module. Like, that's just my interest. But I also quite like film, done like a BFI course and stuff like that. So, was that, so, so the, the choice of history at university was very obvious, very standard for you. There was nothing else that was really. Uh, taking your interest at the time when you were looking at university courses? Uh, no, not really. But the choice of university itself was a bit um, was a bit out of the blue. I took a gap year um, and I was a bit, didn't really have a purpose, I don't think. I think a lot of my mates were going to uni and I didn't really know what I was doing. And then the night before clearing, I just came downstairs. My parents was like, oh, by the way, I've applied to do history at Manchester. So we'll find out tomorrow. If- Hang on a <laughs> second. So you didn't, they didn't know that you were going to, that you were applying for history? No, I didn't really have any any dreams or aspirations of university. And, and then it just hit me over summer, just like my, all my friends had either gone or were going that year. And I'd, I was working at Marks Spencer at the time. And I didn't really have, I didn't really have anything to do, to be honest, which is a terrible <laughs> reason to go to university. <laughs> and my parents were a bit trying to make sure, like going through the fees and stuff like that, it was a big decision. But it was always going to be history. 
it wouldn't be any other subject. Um, and I have had a great time at university and I've had, I'm really enjoying it. So I'm really glad I made the decision. It was just on a whim, really. What was uh, what was your plan if you didn't go to university? Where, where, where would you be right now if you hadn't, let's say you hadn't thought of like, I'm going to go to university after after that time? What would you have done now? I, I don't know, to be honest. I, there wasn't one. I think that's why I chose university. And I think um, I didn't want to spend uh, any more time at Mark Spencer. It's a great company. It's, a, it's great pay. And, and the people there are lovely as well. Um, but it wasn't for me. Well, I didn't feel um, fulfilled, I don't think. And why did you choose Manchester? Um, I already had mates here as well, so I'd already been to Manchester, and uh, it is a great city, uh, as you know, Luke. And, I do, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's not too far as well from Leeds, only an hour on the train. Um, so, so, yeah, it's easy to keep in touch with family, and if I have to come back and stuff like that, it's, it's only a train ride home, that's an hour. And, and was... Your activism now, was that something that was planned? Was something that you came into uni thinking this is what I want to do or, or was it very much off the cuff and uh, and, and random? Um, well, I'd been interested in it before coming to university. So I'd, I'd worked in a, a soup kitchen before in Leeds. Um, so it wasn't like totally new. Like I'd, um, like the reason why I got into it in Leeds was I, I remember looking at, I can't remember why, but I was looking at the Leeds City Council website where they registered how many homelessness, how many homeless people there were in Leeds. And it just had one. They only had one registered person. I thought, if you walk through town, have you been to Leeds before, Luke? I have, yeah. Yeah, I have been to Leeds, yeah. Yeah, have you, and you've been in town, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's not as bad as Manchester, but you, there are, you know, visible homeless people. And I already thought, so that's already not true, that they put one, one homeless person on their website. And even just working at the soup kitchen, you just saw that. I just thought... It's a worthy cause and it doesn't seem like the council were doing that much about it. This may have changed by the time since I've um, you know, looked at that website and, and done my soup kitchen work in Leeds. But so when I came to Manchester, it just felt natural. I saw um two girls, Sylvie and Elsa, were running the stall and it just felt natural to join the society. So your activism didn't start necessarily at university. You'd already uh, done a little bit before, as you said, you worked in the soup kitchen. Uh, yeah, I had a little bit of experience working in a soup kitchen, but when I went to join the society, it was a, it was a new experience. It was like, um, it was, yeah, I went along to the first meeting and it was just, it was quite creative. Like, it was like, um, like business students planning an event and like music students planning a live music event or the comedy society setting up a, a, a fundraiser, like a, a, a frog and bucket and then graphic design students designing the posters for these events. So, it was really wholesome like to see all these talented people using their talents for a good cause and I thought that's definitely something I want to be involved in yeah I mean I, I speak to a lot of activists on this podcast as you probably know um and, yeah. and one thing that I do want to find out from you is when you see that stool being advertised at the university students uh, students fair the freshers fair um how did you find the, the freshers fair generally you know was it very an opening welcoming kind of environment um which which attracted you towards certain societies uh yeah it was kind of like it was it was just a bit of fun really wasn't it like there were just people giving out like free sweets to entice you to join some like mm. you know board game society or something like that it was it was um a bit of fun but i wasn't i didn't really join any other societies i work alongside other sites now we do collaborations with, like book club and stuff like that we uh collaborate but i didn't really join any there's nothing really else that seemed um that seemed interesting to me 
but it was it was it was just fun wasn't it um so we talked a little bit now about your your upbringing your um you know the person behind the activist really um but but i now want to go more into the depth about the current activities that the your your organization do so um save the streets so how did it come about do you know are you aware of how it was formed yeah initially we were um we were called the big change which was um like a student like um split off society from the big change charity that is based in manchester um but as i got more involved and as we just as a society like we're working with different charities um we tended we realized we weren't just the big change like we weren't just dependent on them we weren't just the you know the junior junior section of them we were we were doing more we were working more with other charities than we were with big change um and the fact that the big change were to create their own instagram so they wanted us to change our names for that we just thought it it was time to we grown as a society as well we were a bigger society um it was just time to change the name to save the streets so we still work with the big change um charity but we're called save the streets now and that that only changed over summer as well and what are your principal aims of your group what are you striving for yeah so we have four aims so we have um so we do volunteering that's obviously a massive aim um and to just make it easy for students to volunteer so so i remember being quite nervous when i first joined like i'd even though i had that previous um experience working in the soup kitchen I didn't know anyone in Manchester that was in the society. I didn't know anyone who was at these soup kitchens. And Manchester's just a bigger city as well, uh, or appears to me to be. And so we do like, um, we can do like mentor, mentor volunteering where someone who's experienced like a year two or a year three can come along with you and volunteer with you. It's just to be like, it's just reassurance. Um, and then a second aim would be fundraising of course um and we used to do a lot of student nights out um have you been to hatch before no i haven't no no <laughs> well we did a lot of that like um nights there like uh, maybe like drum and bass and we've had like jazz nights and stuff like that it's been a lot of fun to be honest um and a lot of drinking as well but sadly that's not been allowed this year um so we're doing it so we're doing a running fundraiser this year as a, as a shameless plug i'm about to do luke at so, <laughs> we're doing um yeah a run for a bed every night the mayor's charity um in manchester and so 10 pound donation is um the exact cost of a bed for the night so we're asking runners to donate 10 pounds and we've already raised something like 438 pounds so that's already 43 beds for an evening so i'm super impressed and i'm and just a shout out to everyone who's already helping us and who's um who's already running for us or who's already donated uh, and then the other two aims, one is educating um, because the type of giving to homeless um, and just the facts about how people become homeless, it's not really well known to be fair. Um, like even at the Freshers' Fair, luckily it was a minority, but some people just be like, oh, I'd like, you know, F the homeless and stuff like that. Like, so there is a, like an antagonism towards homelessness and like almost like a fear and a stigma surrounding people. So let's try and combat that. We're getting like speakers in and like ex-homeless in to give a talk to students. Um, and then the fourth is campaigning, but we haven't really done that much um, campaign. I'd like to do more. Um, but it, that also ties in with the education part, like because um, we talk about how recently in the news it's been politicised, like homelessness. So there's that um the new law isn't it that um 
sleeping rough is now grounds for deportation. Um, So we like to talk about stuff like that and just raise awareness and raise links to petitions, stuff like that, like, this is wrong, this is racist, this doesn't solve homelessness. Deporting homeless people doesn't solve homelessness. Um, So, yeah, that's the four aims of the society. So you seem that you you mix the social side of of things with with the more more serious aspects of things, which I, I think really kind of puts you at a different um, different kind of activism than other people that I've interviewed on this podcast. So you you, you try and maintain that social side to things. We do, we do, and um, so we try to have like we've had like a Zoom quiz and stuff like that um, over over lockdown because it's been hard to. Um, to do everything we wanted to do this term uh, in terms of restrictions and stuff like that. So we try to have a social side as well, because it is quite um, a heavy topic as well, to be fair. And um, mm. if you've gone along to a soup kitchen before, or, or you've, even if you just talked to a homelessness person before you, it can get quite heavy sometimes. Like yeah. they come from like domestic abuse backgrounds. Um, so I've seen someone who's had an iron put out on the head before and stuff like that. And and even in the news, you hear about it. Like there was a case, uh, was it a year ago, um, where a prisoner was released in Manchester, and he just picked up a homeless woman and took him, took her back to a flat, and abused and, and tortured her. And when you hear stuff like that, it's obviously very depressing. It highlights the need for people to get involved, but obviously, it's nice just to have that social side as well. Like everyone who joins the site is like very empathetic, um, and they're all lovely. So it's lovely to to be part of a committee, but also a friendship as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, surely there must be some very, very sad parts to your activism, you know, and I guess keeping a social side kind of raises spirits amongst your group, I guess. Um, so why do you believe that your campaign and, and homeless homelessness activism is so important right now in the 21st century? Um, because, and it's always struck me, it just seemed absolutely... Um, insane i think that there, there is homelessness still especially in the uk i just think we're the fifth richest country in the world and what in 2017 three years ago uh, a homelessness man fro- actually froze to death on the streets of birmingham that was on that was his cause of death he froze to death i just think do you know how, how i don't know it just seems especially with the amount of wealth we have i just think there isn't a need for it at all and I'm, I'm trying not to get onto a big rant or get on my high horse about it but um but if you actually look at it there's just there isn't a need for it and and so say it's specifically manchester which you must have noticed even just walking around town or whatever in the city center you will have seen the rates of homelessness it's impossible not to see um and i just think we have the highest as manchester we have the highest um, number of deaths outside of London and that's not something to be proud of either and I just think there's a, there's still so much work that needs to go into it I just think like when you p- see people stepping over homeless people like not even acknowledging them as a human being I just think what is that about like it's always seemed it seemed like it's been like hyper normalized I think it shouldn't people I see like COVID posts like everyone's like I can't wait for it to get back to normal after coronavirus Homeless children, that should never be normal in any society. Like, what does that say about the state of your society? And I know they don't mean it in that way. I know the people typing these posts aren't going, I can't wait to get back to homeless children. But it, it is a significant point. Like, do we want to go back to pre-COVID levels of, of homelessness? Um, 
and I, and I hope that's not the case, but yeah, it like, it looks like it will be. I mean, uh, there were there are businesses now that aren't going to survive this pandemic. This so what? So what is that like? We've already seen Arcadia, Arcadia the uh, the Philip Green owned like where he owns Topshop and stuff like that. That's gone bust. What's that? Thirteen thousand jobs, mm. and 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 where are they going to get the other jobs from? Um, you've already mentioned. Sorry, I'm, I don't. I try not to go on a rant, but it <laughs> no, obviously no, no, is something. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Um, it's what we love on this podcast is passion, and you know certainly what you're displaying. So you've mentioned before that that Leeds is is it quite a different city to Manchester. And I remember you saying that although there was only one reported case of of homelessness in Leeds, um, and you know obviously you see more of that on your day to day activism in Leeds, but surely, um, surely, I mean, not surely, but. Manchester has very high homeless homelessness levels. Why do you think that Manchester has higher levels of homelessness than Leeds does? Or do you think um, that's the case? Uh, yeah, I would say it is the case. It, one thing I would say about levels of homelessness as well is it's very hard to accurately judge it um, because there's a hidden homeless as well. Um, so these um, counts of how many people are homeless, this is the only type that they've found so there's people like who sleep under bridges there's sleep people who squat and stuff like that there's there are many people without a home who aren't registered but i would say um i would agree that it, it is worse in manchester compared to leeds um and i i wouldn't know for sure i'm not an expert i am only a student who <laughs> who does this in his in his free time um but i, I wouldn't know why there is more more in Manchester. Now, in 2017, when Andy Burnham ran for mayor, I believe in 2017, yeah. he made that uh, homelessness a big issue in his campaign. He uh, did, I yeah. remember, um, even though I wasn't in the city, I do remember that on the TV. So are the Greater Manchester Authority taking the issue of homelessness seriously? And, you know, three years on from that election victory, uh, is Andy Burnham tackling the issue as well as, as well as you would want him to tackle it? Um, well... <laughs> Obviously, it's hard to criticise um, someone who is, who is doing good work for the charity um, and, and for the homelessness. Um, but yeah, I just think he, on his campaign, I remember he said, he said in 2017, there won't be any homelessness in, in Manchester in 2020. I just think, you are Like, <laughs> why would you even say that? Um, because there obviously are. Um, and I just think... But he is doing good work. That's the thing. Like the charities that we work with, like Barnabas and Mustard Tree, like we are getting good feedback from a bed every night. His scheme like, it is helping decrease the amount of homelessness. It is providing um, beds for the night for homeless people. It's providing shelter. It's providing um, people that they can talk to, um, like social workers, stuff like that. He it is he is doing a good. Um, he is he is making a positive impact. I just wish he hadn't said that. I was going to say, would you say that that was a, a broken promise or would you say that in the first place he was just saying it as a campaign slogan? Uh, I don't know. It's. I think it was overreaching and I haven't even met the man. So I, who knows what he was trying to say with that. Um, but I think any well-educated person should know that that was not the right thing to say. Um but then again, you have to look at the other side as well. Like currently, our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, hmm. who got voted in with a mass majority, didn't he, in 2019? Yeah, I think he comes from, what, the Bullingdon Club, who it's been alleged that they burn £50 notes in front of homelessness. And then when you put him in power, it, what he hasn't even been in power, what is it, like 
just over a year now, something like that. And what and and what? So he's already trying to deport people who are homeless. I think, come on now, what's that about? So would you say that homelessness is a, a left wing, a left wing slash, or you know, a left right issue? Um, or would you say that this is something that surely should be that you know cuts across both political spectrums? It's yeah, of course it cuts across both political spectrums. I'm I'm happy to criticise anyone left or right who doesn't help out, and I'm also happy to to you know to draw praise to where people who are doing the hard work as well. I don't think it's just one side has the uh, monopoly on helping out those in need. It is definitely a cross-party thing, but you have to look at the actual facts as well. Like, um, like Marcus Rashford coming out and saying, look how many homeless, like not even just homeless, look how many poor children are, I can't afford school meals. And then you have the Conservative Party going, thank you for contributing to the debate. That's what Boris Johnson actually said. Those were his words. He wrote, thank you for contributing to the debate. I just think, is it a debate, though, you know, if we should feed children in our country, in the fifth richest country in the world? Is that, but what is the opposition to that debate? This leads uh, on quite nicely to my next line of questioning, which is about the criticism that's levelled against people like yourself who are quite active uh, in the uh, in the homelessness um, arena, if that makes sense. Hopefully that's not offensive. Um, so uh, common criticism that that is levelled at you is probably that, you know, if people want to help out homeless people, giving money to homeless people doesn't actually solve the issue. It, it just makes those people who are homeless spending it on alcohol or on drugs. Uh, yeah. and they don't help. They don't help themselves with the the financial support that they get from people on the street. Um, yeah. Would you say that's accurate, or or would you would you completely disagree with that? Um, I would describe it as um, not totally accurate. I don't think people do. I don't think it's. it's a, um, I don't think it's across the board that people do that. Not at all. Um, some people are genuinely looking for a meal and stuff like that. But I would also put it to the people who say this that if you were in their shoes, like where you didn't. When you say homelessness, home to me isn't just you know a shelter above my head. When I think of home, it's happy memories. It's you know going back to family. I've got a lot of happy memories from my home. So they're homeless in two senses. They don't have a good family life as well as they don't have a shelter. So a lot of these people come from domestic abuse backgrounds. What if they're, you get like LGBTQ teens for that who aren't accepted at home, who aren't accepted for who they are. So that's why they're left. So they do have a home in one sense, but it's not a home to go back to. It's not somewhere they feel safe. Um, and so when you're grandstanding and, and, and standing above people when they, and saying stuff like, oh, they, they're just gonna spend it on drink and stuff like that. The reason why people have these drug addictions and alcohol addictions is it's a numbing. It numbs a lot of the pain that they would go. If you're on the streets and you're facing, especially if you like, what if you're a woman, the amount of like danger you face on the streets, like the average life expectancy for a man who's homeless is 47 and for a woman it's 43. So when you hear that and you hear people, oh, they're just like, they're, they're fake begging, whatever. It's like, do you know the risk they're at just, by just their everyday life it's, it's, it's a massive risk and in terms of like you, the drugs they take and stuff like that like they're not they're not you, who knows what's in that type of stuff um yeah yeah i feel like it's quite um quite a horrible thing to say in terms of how people say it like i oh, don't give money they're just going to spend on drugs i just think what a what a simple thing to say to such a complicated problem well some people also say that you know, homelessness is a self-made issue. It's normally something that comes about from people who have gambled with their life irresponsibly and ended up on the streets because they've, 
you know done something stupid in their life um, mm. and therefore you know how much how much um how much compassion should we show to them uh, what would you say to that 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 criticism I just think, who are these people? <laughs> and have they ever met someone who's homeless as well? And I just think, have you read any literature around any of the studies on homelessness as well? Like, do you, such a base allegation with, with no data that I can see to back it up, like only the most uncompassionate people would say, I believe something like that would even be true. When so the looking... homeless people that you meet, what, yeah. what sort of backgrounds have they, how have they fallen into homelessness? It's not it's not one size fits all. It's um, domestic abuse. It's drug addictions. It's um, LGBTQ don't feel safe. It's um, uh, prisoners as well. Like you come out, can't get a job again. Um, And some as well are just like um, just lost their job. Like like the job market now is say well places like Manchester, London we're quite good for jobs in terms of like providing them but you also we also have massive problems with homelessness and that's because like there aren't enough jobs for everyone and it's only going to get worse in my opinion this is i I must stress as well i'm no expert i only read this studies and stuff like that and i only talk to like the charities and stuff like that so this is my own personal view Uh, i think in some ways that's actually quite interesting though because you know i don't I spend a lot of time in this podcast talking to people from the grassroots. And I think it's much more interesting to talk to people who may not know everything, but have that passion for it. than, let's say the CEO of shelter or, you know, the, the, the person who's running an anti-racism campaign or something like that. I'd rather yeah. speak to the activists on the ground, on the ground and see what they think. So I don't think you should um, necessarily think, you know, I'm not an expert on this. Therefore I shouldn't have a say. I think you absolutely should have a say on these things like this. Um, and your and the last criticism that someone might level against people like yourself is the idea that no matter how much activism you do and you, and you know, your friends do, it will never solve the problem. That is homelessness. It will never go away. It is a byproduct of the society that we live in unfortunately um uh, what do you say to those people like that who just think that your activism actually gets gets us nowhere in the in the long term uh i just think it's just not true as well to be fair um because there are people who with these charities get housed and, and go on to having a job and a lot of them come back as volunteers for the charity as well and um, so i know people at these at these places who are ex-homeless so they have jobs and it's through charities like this that have helped um help them get in touch with say drug drug rehabilitation and and sort of life out and give them a sense of purpose and stuff like that so one it's not true in, in just the people i've seen but also like it's just not true structurally either as a country there is no need for homelessness and there definitely doesn't have to be in this precedent as well if you look at places like um like finland for example uh, they they have cities there where they've compl- where they had homelessness problems and they've completely solved it, so they can categorically say there are no homeless people there anymore. So it's just not actually true. So what are the big nationwide campaigns against homelessness? Um, I know you've mentioned Grenfell before and and the treatment of people who were left homeless after Grenfell. That was a big nationwide campaign. But yeah. what are the other big nationwide campaigns that 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 are, are currently going on? Um, well, I would have to draw attention to. Marcus Rashford's campaign just about the um, feeding the children in poverty and stuff like that because homelessness is an issue that needs preventing I think homelessness is like the last bit you see before everything else has happened before the drug abuse and stuff like that and um, that's where that's where you need to hit it in the homes that are like 
people are already losing their jobs and people are getting hooked on drugs and stuff like that. That's where he needs to target like the children who are growing up in poverty. And I think he's such a big name and he's done so much already. I think it really has drawn uh, drawn people's eyes to it, I think, and drawn attention to an issue that, look, we have a lot of wealth in our country and there are a lot of children growing up in poverty. And we just know statistically that that's not a good thing. Like, it's a low quality of life. It's more likely to lead to crime and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I think this, that's probably the big one at the moment. Yeah. Um, and it, again, I'm going to go down into the, the future of your activism, but also the future of homeless, homelessness activism in general. So can you see a homeless free world at some point in the future? <laughs> well, the pause alone uh, isn't a good sign. No, I think there is a possibility. Yeah. Like I think back, um, in time in in history like i said i prefer um recent history so i look back to say like my dad was born 1965 and i look at the world at 1965 i just look at britain in 1965 and you have to think no one had known that there hadn't been a moon landing yet there there, it was illegal to be gay until 1967 there wasn't universal suffrage in ireland until 1969 um and you have to think, well, then you flash forward and it's, you know, gay marriage in my lifetime was legalised, like, when it was at 20, 2013. I think it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So I have to think, look, that's a massive structural change in the way, in, in Britain, I think, like, from going to, it's illegal to, to be with another man, to you've now, you can now legally get married. Um, and I would have to say that with homelessness, hopefully with more and more campaigns, stuff like that. And if you look at like, places like Finland, stuff like that, then you can see that the, there isn't a need for it. But my only issue with that line of thinking is I'm not sure um, Britain's ready for that. I don't think at the moment. I don't think like we had, like we have a monarchy. To me, that is archaic. But if you think just about the two last royal weddings, the main ones, the Kate and um, William and Harry and Meghan, they had police moving homeless people out of the area, presumably because it was an eyesore, um, and they didn't want that reflected in the meet in the like you know international media that was coming to cover this wedding. And I just think it's kind of like paper over the cracks is they don't want to be seen. And I just think if you're as a country moving people out of um, out of the city so millionaires and princes can get married. Like, what does that say about the society that you live in? Like, to me, that is absolutely ludicrous. Um, and one more point, I know I am going on, but um, one more point is I think there needs to be a ra- radical change for there to be a, a change in, in homelessness problem. So you have to look at the money as well and, and, and the type of institutions you give money to. So, for example... Um, so like the Greater Manchester Police, they get a lot of fun, like quite a lot of funding from the government. And I think you can look at Greater Manchester Police and you can find videos online on BBC website or on YouTube of um, Manchester Police being racist, um, like making Ku Klux Klan jokes and stuff like that. And institutional racism is a problem. And perhaps, and, and, and police, and there is a reason and a need for police, but they come in after the crime is done. We need crime prevention and homelessness needs prevention as well and i just think well where's the funding for like lgbtq 
um, like uh, organizations in Manchester and stuff like that, that places that could perhaps home LGBTQ teens, stuff like that, and drug rehabilitation funding and stuff like that. That's, that's the only way I can see the issue of homelessness being solved. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who's looking to get involved in your group um, and, uh, you know, in homelessness activism altogether? Yeah, I would just say just cut, just join our society and you can do as much as you want as well. Um, we're pretty non-committal and obviously everyone who's in society, they're so, they're, they're so lovely. They're so empathetic. It is, it's, a, it's an honour almost to work alongside these people. Like they're just, it is their free time. They're not getting paid for it. Um and it's so easy to join. Like you just, you, we can help you come along volunteering as well. And there's training at these charities as well. So you shouldn't feel, you know, you don't know what you're doing because you'll just be helped along the way. Mm. And also, um, also it's just, it's, it's just a good thing to do. Studies show you'll feel better as well. Like it's good for mental health. Um, so yeah, I think it's just an all around good thing to do. It's, it's win-win. So <laughs> why would you not do it? I asked this question, the next question, this next question uh, to someone who I talked about who's quite active in the green movement. And there's a lot of crossovers, actually, I think, from that interview and this interview, which is quite nice. Um, and one of the questions I asked her and I will ask you now is, um, obviously, the ordinary citizen can get involved like you are um, getting part, being part of a campaign group and, and giving money to homeless charities and, you know, helping people on the street, etc., working at soup kitchen, etc. And also you can see that governments and local authorities can do things as well to prevent rough sleeping and homelessness. Um, but is it something that only can be done through a top-down approach? Is it only the governments and the local authorities that can make the real difference? No, I don't think so. I think they have the power to do a lot more. But with the grassroots campaigning, that, that, um, that provides the pressure, I think, for these, um, for these governments and, and, and councillors and stuff like that too to make the change and, and without it I don't think they would do do as much change and that's that's evident throughout history in terms of, of terms of like civil rights movement and stuff like yeah. that the pressure comes from below and then the change can happen at the top um uh, finally James it's been really nice talking to you um and my final question would be what have you got planned for the future in terms of your activism what what are the big things that your group are planning to do over the next year and, and further beyond that um well, especially with COVID, we'll have to obviously take that into consideration. But um, like I said, we've got the fundraiser and that ends on the 14th of December. So that's concentrating all our efforts on that at the moment. And then next term, um, we'll be doing stuff like trying to get a speaker in, doing that and maybe like an online event, um, like an online Zoom event. Um, and just seeing, seeing where we can go from there, to be honest, try and get as many volunteers and spread the message as far as we can, I suppose. Is and, and what's the future for you? you personally the future for me um finishing university would be a nice you know a nice a nice aim i think and I, i'm struggling at the moment with my uh with my workload how about you well i mean hopefully do more of this that's that's the that is the end yeah, it's been a pleasure to be on i've really enjoyed it <laughs> yeah well i'm glad you enjoyed it james it's nice talking to you thank you very much yeah thank you for having me on I look forward to listening to it <laughs> With everything that is going on in the world right now, it's easy to lose track of the realities that some people less fortunate than ourselves are going through. James is naturally someone who, throughout the pandemic, has continued his fight against homelessness, which is hugely inspiring and interesting. What I think is unique about Save the Streets is their clear-cut objectives, fundraising, campaigning, volunteering and education. 
This has enabled them to appear to lots of different people who can get involved in lots of different ways. Despite all of the activists that I've spoken to being unique in their own ways, passion is what binds them all together. The belief that the ordinary person can truly make a change and their commitment to ensuring that change. Alas, there is some disappointing news. This episode marks the end of this series of Better Discussions. I'm hopeful that I can start the podcast back up again in January, but perhaps maybe with a different style. But this gives me the opportunity to thank lots of different people who have helped me in this podcast. Firstly, thank you to Fuse FM for all of the promotion and the advice, especially uh, Bella, who gave me the opportunity to launch this podcast and also record it as well. So thank you for that. Uh, Thank you to all my guests, Cameron, Cameron, Holly, Max, Shavaya, Maisie and James. You've all been great in your own ways and I sincerely hope you've enjoyed talking to me as much as I have to you. Thank you to all my listeners. I, I never thought that so many people would enjoy listening to me and the, the feedback and the response that that you've given me has been so phenomenal. Uh, so thank you very much. Uh, but finally, thank you to all my friends and family who have supported me, especially my parents and my sister, Jaya, who have been really crucial to me starting up this podcast in the first place um, and supporting me throughout. So thank you very much to all those people. I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Uh, And I do hope to be back soon, as I said, even if it is in a different style. Uh, So thank you and goodbye.